today, uh, and we're going to be ending with a, uh, a risen Savior type of question, okay? We're excited that we have to reason, big reason, momentous, major reason to celebrate today, the risen Savior Christ, okay? And he asked a question that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. Um, he asked it a few times, and whenever, whenever you see something more than once in the Bible, it's extra important, so remember that, okay? And you hear Jesus ask the same question three times, but I'm going to set the stage a little bit uh, so you can understand who the audience was, one individual particularly that we want to talk about. One of my favorite folks within Scripture, his name is Peter, because I can identify, you know, I'm one of those guys that get really excited and really boisterous about things sometimes, and then sometimes I'm down in the pits, okay? I can understand the roller coaster of Peter's life and following Christ. So today we're going to look a little bit more. So let's get a little bit of a background so we can really understand why Peter is so significant. If you've been here more than a year, you've heard us share this story, but today it's going to be shared in a little different of a way because there's a different aspect that we missed or maybe just didn't highlight last time, okay? So we see Peter as someone uh, from the very beginning that was called out. And Jesus said, come and follow me. We saw that in Matthew 4, 18. He said, I will make you fishers of men. Don't glaze over on me here and don't check out because I know you've heard these things a lot. Tune in and listen closely, okay? According to John's gospel, uh, Jesus and Peter first met after John the Baptist introduced Jesus to two of his disciples as the Lamb of God who takes away, right, the sin of the world in John 1, 35. Andrew, one of those disciples, immediately rushed to inform his brother Peter that he had seen the Messiah. And Peter, right, and Andrew were fishermen in Bethsaida, a fishing village, which means the house of fishing, okay? On the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee, we hear about that a lot, okay? Um, we also see that Andrew brought Peter to meet Jesus within a day or two after him asking him to follow him, right? And we see that uh, Peter was this guy from that small town, but that big boisterous idea of saying, you know, I can do anything. I'm the guy that can do whatever. I'm fine with whatever. We see that naivety was something that, that fueled him to become a leader amongst the 12. One of the things we saw in, in this series as well was uh, the, the courage of Peter. Uh, I, I sometimes think of it as stupid courage, being willing to step out of the boat. How many of you guys like the safety of the boat in life? We typically do, right? We like the safety of the boat. It's determined. Even if it's a risk, it's not as risky because we're in the boat. Well, Peter was willing to step out of the boat. It took great courage to step out on the water and begin to walk toward Jesus. We talked about that a few weeks back. But we also see again where Peter gets really excited. Don't you just, it's like a drama. It's like watching daytime TV when you look at Peter's life, isn't it? This time he gets really excited. It's like, I'm going to cut somebody's ear off, okay? It's fun. Let's do this, okay? This is the kind of guy we're talking about here. Someone you may know, but we won't say their name in public. But we also see Peter as one of those guys that's afraid of a young child and denies Christ three times, okay? Uh, he's willing to, to, to wield a sword, yield a sword. What is it? Wield? Wield. Wield? And he, he, but he yields. No, he wields a sword and is willing to, to cut someone's ear off. Thank you for that fact check. Anything else? Just give it to me after. Okay, Drew? Thanks, bro. Um, to, to cut off an ear. But then when a little girl's like, are you the Jesus? You, you were you that? No. Uh, I, mm, you sh no. I mean, mm, no, you know, kind of thing. All right. And we see this three times, the denial, which kind of sets the stage for the story we're going to talk about. In just a moment. All right. And we also see um, talking about Peter in this way as well, that someone that even Satan himself wanted to sift. He wanted to shake through to see what was really inside and had that permission to do so. But he wanted to see because he also saw what was in him as well. 
And we think about these things, these life actualizations and realizations, when we look at ourselves, when we put ourselves in Peter's shoes, we can identify with this guy. If you look at your faith journey thus far, has it all been up and to the right? You know what that looks like on that, those money scales, you know, when the stock has gone up and to the right. I'm doing it the right way, right? This is to you to the right. Thank you. Was that good? Thanks, bro. Mm, slaying it today, okay? Up and to the right. Has your faith journey been all up and to the right? Or has it been like, yeah, you know, last week we were in the, the, the tunnels, the little, little rides at the Great Wolf Lodge with the kids down in uh, Williamsburg. That's where we were at. And I tell you what, I screamed like a prepubescent girl. It was great. Okay, going down. I was scared to death. I loved it. Okay. And it's like, I come out and the guy's like, you okay? I'm like, yes, it was great, okay? I can understand with this guy what it feels like uh, to, to go on a faith journey with a lot of ups and downs and in between. So we set the stage for John uh, 21, and we set the stage for a, a little glimpse into the moment that Peter had with Christ, but also some others watching in as well. So we see this. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciple by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, um, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go out with you. I love this. You see that right off of the bat that Peter is then going back to what he knew, right? He went back to that, that fishing thing, but also you see how much of a leader he really is to those around him. You see this? He said, well, if you're going, we'll go too. And this sets the stage even further for what Jesus was really doing in his life in this moment. We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. This is why I do not like fishing. I am more of a fisherman than a catcher. Does anybody else feel that way? I catch more fish in Kroger than I do in the Mon River, okay? It is not good. So I, I have, I'm fine with it. I'm fine just to go buy my fish, okay, instead of trying to catch my fish, okay? Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Early in the morning, they see him on the shore, but they don't know it's him. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? This is hilarious. Think about this. Fishing all night, not catching, fishing all night, and here's this guy on the shore saying, hey, you had any luck yet? How's it coming along? You guys are fishermen. That's really funny. You have no fish. Okay, uh, sometimes I'll get a text. I'll be in the middle of a job or something or mowing or something or just in the middle of anything. Kara will, will send me that loaded text is what I call it. Heavy loaded. How's it going? What does that even mean? How's it going? Well, it takes seven years to accomplish. It is as big as this building. It, you know what I mean by this? How's it going? And you hear Jesus step along the side. Hey, how's your fishing going, guys? Losers. Okay. You see this, and I'm sure Jesus is like, <laughs> leans over and starts laughing. Have you caught any fish? No. You know this. Do you see any fish? Do you smell fish? No. No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Isn't that hilarious? I wonder how many times they switched from left to right, left to right, left to right all night. I wonder how many times they, they threw it. You know, maybe it was just moments before. I don't know that they had already had the net on the right side. And in true Jesus fashion, trying to mess with them like he did in this way, they say, don't you just, just listen to me, okay? He's like, have you caught any fish? No. 
throw it on the right side. Just got back from the right side. Right? So what do they do? Throw it on the right side. What happens? What happens? A tremendous, right? Tremendous. Throw it on the right side, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Unable to haul them in. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. I love this. I think this is such a a great example of what the kingdom of God should look like because we see the disciple whom Jesus loved. John was looking. He said, Peter, it's the Lord. You kind of envision with me here uh, the tension that was in the boat. Maybe the conversations that happened all night about like, and maybe they didn't even have it. They just looked at Peter like, you denied him. I mean, all of them ran, but it's like you denied him. You know, you, you straight up to a little girl denied him, you know, three times. You know, I wonder if that was a tension in the boat. I don't know. You know, I wonder what they were feeling here. Uh, I wonder, you know, John, the, the beloved, you know, how he was such a loving guy. You know, he was concerned and worried for Peter's life in this way beyond this moment. And he's like, Peter, look, it's the Lord. It's the Lord, the only one. This wasn't the only time that he had seen the Lord since his resurrection. But this is the only one that could bring Peter back into the fold, that could really reinstate him back into the call. Because he told him he was going to be a fisher of men before. He told him that he was going to do amazing things. Jesus had, had set him apart in this way. He was a leader within his tribe. So you see him sitting here, and John, I love this, what a friend, looks over and says, Peter, it's the Lord. Think about that moment. And what did that mean? Well, to Peter, I'll tell you, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped himself, right, in his trench coat all the way around him, and he jumped in the water and started swimming. It says his outer garment. Can you imagine, though, putting on something like a trench coat and said, I'm going for a leisurely swim? Peter was like, it is the Lord. Let me put some clothes on. Boom, I'm out of here. Leaving behind the boat... Once again, leaving behind the catch and everything because he was going to the one that could really give him life again like he needed. Right? Does that make sense? It surely does. Okay? The other disciples followed him in the boat, which makes perfect sense. (laughs) Peter, it's stupid. You can say it's the Lord, but you don't have to jump out of the boat, Peter. Why do you have to do this, Peter, every time? Can you help us get the net? Come on, Peter. You're jumping out of the boat, swimming to Jesus. Look at you now. You're a fool. You're wet. You're soaked. Peter didn't care, okay, because he knew it was an opportunity to get close to Jesus once again. They followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus was prepping the fire, getting it ready. Best s'mores or s'mores over coals. Can I get an amen? Right, because you get that rotisserie. I'm like, I love it. You, I, I rotate them. You got the nice straight stick. You keep turning it. It starts to bubble up. It's perfect. And put it there, okay? This is the kind of fire that Jesus was making for his boys this morning, okay? Burning coals there um, with fish on it and some bread, okay? Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 to be specific. But even with so many, the net was not torn, still was not torn. Okay, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They didn't ask any questions right now. They were just listening. 
Okay, they were listening to Jesus, not asking questions. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Okay, this was how this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And now we see the story change. You got to set it up. You can't get midway into a movie, right? Or you miss the whole movie. You got to see the start. You got to read the beginning of the book. Okay, this was the beginning to set it up for this moment right here that is so important for us to get today when we hear the question being asked three times to this guy named Peter that we can identify with. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, so now we see an intimate meeting happening between two people. We see Jesus and Simon Peter. We see the one who has been all over the board, was not all up and to the right, had many troughs, many peaks, all kinds of stuff throughout the day there, right, throughout his life. So we see Jesus with Simon Peter. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Okay, you're going to hear this twice that he asks and and this type of Greek that's very important for us to understand, this this agape love, this is that, this self-sacrificial love, okay? He's asking him twice. The first two questions are that way, okay? And he says, do you love me more than these? Because remember, they went back to fishing, so what what you're looking at here is you're looking at, do you love me more than this occupation you could have? Do you love me more than that boat that just pulled in 153 fish, Because, see, that meant money to a fisherman. When you caught something, you sold it, and you made money. It was well-being for your home. He's like, do you love me more than than being able to catch fish? Because, you know, I don't don't know if he would have responded differently. I don't know if he could have come back, and, and Jesus said, left side, right side, left side, right side, the rest of his life. I don't think so. But what I'm saying is this. He says, do you love me more than all of this? Do you love me more than these people? Do you love me more than anything? And Peter wasn't ready to answer with that type of agape answer. He says, he says um, you know I love you. That phileo, that friendship love. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He was starting to talk about the life that Peter would have beyond this moment. That he would be someone that would feed the small sheep, the lambs, the little baby ones. I mean, have you ever tried to give a baby um, a steak? Have you ever done that before? Exactly. You wouldn't be in this room right now. You'd be in prison, okay? You do not give small babies steak, okay? Newsflash, all right? I don't care if it's rare. You still don't go there. They need milk, okay? And a lot of times in our spiritual lives, we try to feed somebody things that they're not able to digest, not even able to to get, not even to understand, or don't even desire the taste of it yet in their mouth. We love us some steak, though. Can I get some amens? Whoo, lunch is coming. Okay. But you think about this. He's saying, Peter... Get ready to feed my lambs, okay, the little ones that you're going to take care of. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, this was the agape, the self-sacrificial. Do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. He's saying, be a shepherd to them. Get them in the right direction. Take care of them. We talked about that when we did a, a series on the shepherd, you know, and we talked about his, his staff and how it directs and it rescues and it does all kinds of things. He's saying, you're going to help move people in the right direction as well. But again, he answers, you know, phileo, friendship, love to Jesus. So this is unique when we see this third time that Jesus asked this question. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It becomes phileo questioning. Do you friendship? Do you, do you love me, brotherhood? Are you, are you my brother? Are you someone that is, is with me in this game? And that'll make sense later when we explain it more. And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. I wonder if he was hurt because Jesus switched it to phileo. 
right? And doubted his agape. Does that make sense? I wonder if part of the reason Peter was upset was because Jesus didn't ask agape again. He went phileo on him. Okay, it'll make sense later as to why he asked. But he was hurt nonetheless. Peter was hurt nonetheless in this conversation because I'm sure there was a range of emotions. Because I'm sure he's like, third time asking me love you, third time I denied you. Oh, it's all making sense now. All, everything is starting to connect. Everything's lining up. Oh, great, you get me out here. You know, you're feeding me breakfast on here like that last supper we did together. Mmm, I see you're, you're priming the pump here, Jesus. I see what you're doing here. And then he's getting frustrated. He's getting hurt. He's getting upset. You see this now. The third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know everything. You know you know if I love you, you know if I hate you, you know what I felt when I denied you, you know what I felt like when I was cutting off ears, you know, you know what I felt like when I was jumping out of the boat, walking on water with you, you know everything. Why are you asking me, do you love me? You know I love you. You know it. I mean, you know how bad I felt when you died? You know how bad I felt when you were in the tomb? You know, you know how bad I felt when I felt like I, I just screwed everything up? And all this hope and trust that you put in me, you know what I felt like. You know everything. Of course I love you, but I'm a failure. You ever had dialogue with God like that? Sounds real, doesn't it? It sounds real. God, you know I've been scared. You know I experienced fear. God, you, you, you know everything. Peter's like, Jesus, come on, man. We did life together. You know me more than anybody else. That's why you pulled me aside here, because you know. You know. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. And Peter's response was phileo as well. You know that I love you. You know that I want to be close to you. You know that I want to be friends with you. You know that I want to do what you want me to do. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go talking about the way in which Peter would die for his faith in Christ as he became someone that was a forerunner for the first century church that stood, you know, with excitement, you know, and was zealous about it. You know, in the book of Acts, we read about that and, good, and got up and proclaimed the good news message of Jesus Christ. You know, he was not afraid then. He was not backing down. Jesus was saying, you know, for what you're going to be after this moment, you're going to understand sorrow and you're going to understand suffering you're going to understand me. You're going to get it. Drew talked about that last week. Jesus being a man of sorrow. Peter understood it well himself. The sorrow of Christ. He understood himself. He said, feed my lambs. Remember that? You're not just going to help the little ones, the ones that are young in their faith. You're not just going to direct people and move people in the right direction. But you're going to have impact that's going to be amazing. You're going to be able to speak things like he did in the book of Acts. That people are going to be like, what? You know things. You've experienced things. You're going to be able to feed the sheep. You're going to take care of even the old, young, and everywhere in between because you're following after Christ. Jesus said that in verse 19 after he talked about the way that Peter would die to glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. If you phileo me, just follow me. If you love me then, you know I love you. I know, but if you do, follow me. Follow me. Go where I go. Do what I do. Let's do this. Follow me. Okay? Follow me. 
And of course, you know how people respond. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. Here's John. Just trying to listen in, you feel like? You ever have people like that in your life? You're trying to have a private conversation. You're going on a walk with someone, but yet there's someone else that's always following. Have children. You'll know what that's like. You're trying to have a private conversation, you know, and oh, they're saying, what'd you say? Where did you come from? You know, it's like I have, I have a bubble space. You need to go there. I'm over here. Mom and I are trying to talk about something that's important that you know, but why, why can't I know? Because you don't need to know, okay? Well, you see the one whom Jesus loved following them. He was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Seems like he wants to follow too. Am I like him? I mean, am I the one you love? Sounds like for me that he's the one you love more than anybody else, right? Does that make sense? Am, am I okay? Am I good enough? You know, I failed you a lot of times. You know, we don't really hear about that from John, do we? We hear about it from Peter. Because Jesus is like, you know what? I want to set this up on someone through people that, that are real people. You ever had the perfect sibling? Anybody have the perfect sibling? Always got the best grades. You know, always did the best in athletics and sports or whatever you want to say. You know, they, they always did well on this or that. It seemed as though they were the beloved. Can I get an amen from somebody? And you, yeah, okay, so you know how that feels. So Peter right here is in that comparison game. You see it. What about him? What about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? If I want him to stick around until I come back that last time, I can do whatever I want. But for you, your job, Peter, is to follow me. Your job is to follow me. Remember, get in your eyes back on him, back on the path, back on the course that he has for your life. He says, follow me. So here's some takeaways that I want us to go with today. A few points, if you will, that I think are important as we answer the question for ourselves. When I first read this in the beginning of the week, starting to study for this, I couldn't stop asking myself that question like Jesus was asking me, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I asked my kids, I'm like, do you love me? Yeah. I'm like, well, why do you love me? I was asking Andalyn, you know, she's seven. I'm like, well, why do you love me? Yeah, you know, she's like playing and doing stuff, and she's like, she's like the move around a lot kid. Like, why are you moving right now? Can you just stay still? I can't. Why not? Because I've sat still all day in school. I'm like, good job. Okay. Do you love me? Yes. Why? I'm looking for something like really deep and meaningful, like God's really going to speak in this moment. Uh, Dad, I love you for your deep reverence for the Word of God. You know. <laughs> Dad, I love you for your sacrificial love. Um, father, father of mine, you know, I love you because, you know, and it was like, because you love me, because you're good to me, you know, because you get me things. I'm like, <laughs> she grabs my debit card and walks out. <laughs> I did not get you that. You stole that. No. Because I'm asking myself this. Do, do I love him like I should? It's so nice to have more time in second service. First one, it's like, do, do, do I love him like I should? You know, when you think about Peter with the, do I love him like I should? Am I on a roller coaster? You know, what, what is this supposed to look like? How am I supposed to live as I follow him? I'm, I'm a Christ follower before I'm, before I'm a husband, 
before I'm a father and a pastor. That, that's the order. So if you ever get it twisted, that the pastor thing is last in my life, okay? I'll work at Walmart happily and hand out stickers if the family's a mess, all right? Just so you know. So how am I, as a Christ follower, how am I? Do I love him? What does it look like to love him? I ask myself these questions, too, just as much as I'm asking you. So as I answer, as I look within Scripture, we see, as we witness his love, the first thing, we witness his vulnerability. To, to, to love is to be vulnerable. Because we see this even with Jesus. We see John 21, 10 through 11. Jesus said, and then bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. Um, we see something here that we might kind of glaze over sometimes and not see if we're, if we're not really thinking about it. That Jesus was hungry. Like, we think of Jesus as, like, floating around when he came back from the resurrection, right? Like, everywhere, you know, and the, the, the robe just in and out of houses and just, like, you know, speed shifting everywhere. But, no, we see Jesus building a fire. We see Jesus cooking some fish for breakfast. That's nasty. We see Jesus cooking fish for breakfast. We see him asking them to bring some of their own fish. We see Jesus say, I'm hungry, I want to eat. He's vulnerable, he's, he's, he's displaying that human side of himself that a lot of times we don't like to do because if we're vulnerable, we put ourselves out there, we open ourselves up for hurt. Doesn't that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Why would I open myself up? Because if I do that, that's exactly when someone will come in. That is the goal, that people do life with each other, that we're in and out of each other's lives right at different times different places and bringing life to each other but it takes vulnerability to get to that place it's far easier to become a cynic than it is to be vulnerable we all have experienced cynicism in our lives nothing's ever going to change that person's just like the other one why would i allow them in i've seen this before no that will not happen no mm, mm. and we're like great wall china around our whole lives nobody's getting in the only problem is you're not getting out you build such a wall, we, I, we all do, build such a wall called cynicism that we're not able to be vulnerable for anybody to get in. It's going to add to your life. Because we're like, nope, there's another one, you're out. There's another one, nope. It's like we're shooting darts from way back, fiery arrows, right? Mm, I saw that one coming a long way out. You're not getting in. When we see this, this vulnerability that Jesus exhibits here, we understand that we have to be vulnerable too. <coughs> Second thing, excuse me. Is as we grow in his love, we grow in his humility. What does that mean? John 21, 15. Uh, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Again, I talked about that for just a moment. But when you look at his, his man, his financial portfolio and future and opportunity and all of the friendships that he had accumulated, you know, and a good day of fishing. I don't know what that would have brought financially. We've got to figure that out. Someone research that sometime. Not right now. Okay. But how much would 153 fish bring a fisherman back in that day? We see that, that he has this, this prosperous moment. Like Jesus set it up. Gotcha. Do you love me more than any? Like, you, listen, these people follow you, bro. You've already got a following. You've got people that run after you because you're a natural leader. But do you love me more than that? 
Do you love me more than the finances? You, you were a fisherman before. You could be a fisherman again. But I, remember, I've called you to be a fisher of men. However, you can go back to that. You can do whatever you want. But do you love me more than any of these? Is this real? Is this relevant to you, Peter? Is, it, is, this, is, this, is this a real thing? Because you can humble yourself like I've humbled myself and given up everything so that I can follow God. Jesus saying that. You can give up everything. Not that you have to go and sell your house. I'm not saying that. You know, you're just like, you find somebody that doesn't have a car, and you're like, here's the keys. God told me to do it. How are you going to get to work to make money to pay for your car you just gave away? You know what I'm saying by that. We, get, we can get emotional about it. But what I'm saying is, are you going to give him everything? Putting life on the table. All decisions. You know, putting things before him first. Because that's what Jesus did. Right when he asked the question, remember Drew, you broke it, broke it down really good about the forsakenness. Gave up everything in that moment so that you could have everything. What is everything? Life everlasting, eternity, wholeness. We're going to talk about that more when we get to our communion time. But everything, he gave it up so that you could have everything. All right? Do you love me more than these? Third is this. As we experience his love, we experience his grace as we experience his love, we experience his grace. This is so important. John 21, 17, the third time, remember this was phileo to phileo, friend to friend. What does this mean, okay? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Remember he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Lord, and this is not Kiki, do you love me? I looked that up. What the crap is that? I looked up, do you love me on Google, and I see these like st stupid people like trying to, I'm like, what the, cr this is why, wow. Do you know what I'm talking about? Me neither. I'm like, what the, cr Key, who's Kiki? She's probably cray-cray, stay away from her. And I don't love her. She try to love me, I'm like, no, I love my wife. As we experience his love, we experience his grace. The third time, do you love me? He says, feed my sheep. Lord, you know all things. You know everything, God. And that's exactly what we need to see today. God knew everything about Jesus, everything about Peter. Jesus knew everything about Peter, obviously. God knows everything about us, but yet he still gives us grace. Take that, Kiki. God loves me, regardless of what I've done. Denied Jesus publicly three times, but yet Jesus is having breakfast with me on the beach. See, he's saying to Peter in this moment that, listen, because I love you, I'm going to extend something to you that a lot of people don't know how to extend. It's called grace. I'm going to give you a second chance. And see, see, Jesus is making, he's, he's building a case here about this thing called phileo, friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood, if you will, because I want you, because I'm going to be gone, he set it up on purpose that way. I'll be leaving, but I'm sending someone else, my Holy Spirit, so that when you see others that need grace and you know history, you give grace. We've been given grace so that we can give grace. You may be the only example of Christ that anybody ever sees. You're it. Your, your coworkers may never come in this building and hear your pastor speak. 
you got to hear, you, man, hopefully they, man, hopefully he'll close the deal today on this salvation thing. Then I can talk to them about that after. You know, maybe, the, maybe they'll say yes at church, and then we can be friends at work, and then we'll finish the, you know, mm-mm. You may be the only person they ever meet. You may be it. What will you give them when you get with them? Will you give them grace? When you're sitting across the table from them, will you spend time with them and give them grace? That's a real question. Worship team, if you guys could start making your way up. Also, um, our team that will be giving out communion today, you guys can start distributing. And remember, if if you've made, before we, you know, as you receive this, if you've made a decision to follow Christ, you know, and you've given your heart, this is something that you do as remembrance of that decision, okay? We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But the last thing that we do, the last thing that we learn when we understand the love of Christ, as we learn of his sacrificial love, we too learn to sacrifice. I know it might be hard with a lot of movement around you, but it's okay, I'm right here. Hi. I understand. When we, when, we, when, we, when we learn of his sacrificial love, we too learn how to sacrifice. We learn how to sacrifice. And I think about this when you have children, and some of you that have kiddos, you know what that feels like. You'll do anything for them. You'll do anything for them. Make sure they're fed. You'll do whatever it takes. Because you, you have, you've effectively died to self when you have children. You should at least so that you can give them the best opportunity to be the best that they can be. To take away the stuff that you experienced when you were a child, leaving those things behind, those things that may have been negative or hurtful, you leave those things behind so that you can experience, they can experience out of your experience, what it feels like to know Christ. Self-sacrificial love. John 21, 18 Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, do you guys remember this already? You dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Peter, you're going to understand what I did full well. You're going to understand sorrow. You're going to understand people yelling at you and hating you because of me. You're going to understand what it felt like, right, to do the right thing to listen and be obedient. You're going to understand that, Peter. It's not going to be easy, but you're supposed to go for it. You're supposed to do it. You know, this is, I know it's not fun to hear this right now, but you have to do this. If you really want to be whole and complete in your life, don't you wish, I wish, that I could sit down with God one day, that I could schedule an appointment. God, hi, good morning. Yes, and it's 2018. Can you tell me when I'm going to die? Cool, we got that done. All right, so now that I know that date, can we step it back a little bit? When am I going to actually be able to retire? Oh, death? Oh, no, no, okay, I will retire. Okay, cool. Okay, God, um, (laughs) pastor jokes. Um, That's when they retire. They die. Um, So when when is this major tragedy, the next major tragedy going to happen in my life? I'll be able to handle it now. Okay. Um, God, when, when, is it, when are the kids going to get married? Oh, I'd love to hear this one. You know, this will be, can you tell me about it? Don't we wish that we had a heads up like Jesus gave Peter? We don't have that, though. 
We don't have it. We have grace that's sufficient for every single day. Mercies that are made new every single morning, right? We're just charged and challenged to follow, not to have it all figured out. Honestly, I don't want to know when I'm going to die. (laughs) I don't want to know that my daughters are going to have to get married and leave me. I'm not selfish. What are you talking about? I don't want to know everything. You know why? Because I can't handle it. But Jesus saw something in Peter like he sees in you. Okay? That you have what it takes to follow him. He told Peter at that moment, there's going to be some crazy stuff that's going to happen. But listen, this isn't just for you. It's for everybody. What you're starting here, what you're helping me to to start off this this church thing is going to change the world. It's going to change the world. You're going to do something great with this. So be encouraged, friend. Be encouraged, because right where you're at is fine. Phileo is fine with me right now. You're not ready for agape. You'll get there. Literally, you'll get there. However, phileo's fine. Phileo's fine. You'll be ready when the time comes. The question, once again, do you love me? Jesus said this, again, like I told you, to indicate the way that Peter would die and glorify God. Then he said, follow me. Jesus will never take you somewhere that he's not willing to go. He'll also never take you somewhere that he's never been. He loves us more than that. He loves you more than that. He loves you so much, and again, this is where we just glaze over. He died for you. He loves you so much that he took the cross. And you heard Drew describe that last week, how horrible that experience was. Christ because of you and because of me and all that he wants in return is to do life with us so that we can in turn do life with others do we have to be afraid of the future Mm -mm. if I die early I get to heaven faster if I die later I have to hang around here a little bit longer and hang out with some more people it's glory to glory we have hope we have hope We have hope, but others need to experience that hope. So he says, follow me, be a friend to me, and others will follow you, and you be a friend to them. Just do life with people. I don't need you getting all excited, cutting off ears. Mm -mm. I don't need you, listen, don't don't grab your Bible and walk out of your house and walk down High Street. Just be like, hey, how are you? Somebody in the head. That is not hitting them with the word. Don't do that. Didn't work for Chi Alpha, right? Okay. Don't do that. Hit them with love. Hit them with time. Hit them with listening. Hit them with understanding. And then when you've earned the right to be heard, hit them with the truth of how much Jesus loves them. Okay? It's not that complicated. But we as human beings complicate everything. All he's looking for as someone that understands what he did, do life with him, and do life with others. So as you're receiving communion this morning, I'm going to read for you from the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29. And I want you to begin to think about what these elements mean to you. This cup 
representing his blood that was spilled and these, these pieces of bread that represent his body that was broken. I want to challenge you guys this morning as you, you hold these elements in your hand that you would look within yourself. And we're going to read from Paul in just a moment. But you would look within yourself. I can serve you this morning. Oh, glory, yes. You got it? All right, good. The last thing you want to do is drop communion on stage. But look within yourself as you hold these elements in your hand. And we're going to pray in just a moment. And you ask yourself, where and, and how do I need to be made whole? Maybe I'm broken in body or, or, or broken in mind. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm alone. I struggle with depression. This is a real deal. I, I, I struggle with hopelessness, you know. I, I struggle with anxiety. I mean, this is, this is stuff I hear about all the time. All the time. All the time. I have sickness in my body right now. I, I have cancer that I'm living with right now. Um, um, diabetes, heart disease, like all kinds of stuff. His body was broken so that yours may be whole. I would love for a trademark of our church to be people that believe that Jesus can heal. And then he does it. I believe that. People can't dispute your sight that came out of blindness. Remember the guy I was blind, but now I see. They can't dispute that. They can't dispute it. But I'm believing, even today as we do this in remembrance of what he did, that we will leave different. We will leave different. We will leave changed. The cup, symbolic of his blood that was spilled on Calvary, that made the way for salvation to be saved. Before something had to die to cover your sin, to atone for your sin, this time the only one who could completely forever cover your sin died. Jesus. He made the way. He made the way. So, so this, this morning, the question that I have for you is, as we read from Paul is, is, where do you need him to make a way? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As you chew on this, as you break it within your body, understand that my body was broken so that yours may be whole. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is, is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant, a brand new covenant that was based out of the resurrected Christ and the blood that was spilled on Calvary, body that was broken, coming back to life, a new covenant I'm giving you. Totally new. About loving God with everything in you and loving your neighbor as yourself, loving one another, simplified, new covenant, boiled down version that is so hard to live every day, but yet so easy to understand. New covenant, this is what it is. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And what I did for you, Peter, what I did for you, fill in the blank of your name. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I read that differently a couple years back. You proclaim the Lord's death. A lot of times we don't like to talk about that. 
We don't like to be like, I'm so glad that Jesus died. I'm so glad that Jesus died. Because he made a way for me and he made a way for you. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, like I talked about earlier for just a moment, will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. What does that mean? If you haven't given your heart, if you've not given, you know, God control of your life through his son, Jesus, then, then you're doing it in an unworthy manner. So what does it take to do that? God, forgive me of my sin. I mean it. I mean it, God. Forgive me of my sin through what Jesus did. I repent. I turn from that and I turn to you so I can do this in a worthy manner. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment. The understanding of what he did in remembrance to make us completely free. So Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you for your body that was broken so that we may be whole. Some of the things I said earlier, Lord, may have struck a nerve within the hearts and minds of your people in this room or those listening online or will hear this podcast later that they need healing. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they will be whole. As they speak that infirmity, they will then speak the name of Jesus after it and that you will give them freedom, that you will make them whole and complete. Jesus, we thank you that you were not a partial sacrifice, but you were a whole sacrifice so that we can be whole too. Help us, I pray, to believe that we can be whole. Partake of it. And Jesus, we thank you for this cup. We thank you that we have salvation, that we have an opportunity to go from this place to be with you forever. God, we thank you so much that you sent your only begotten son so that we can live again, that we can live here, but we can live there forever with you. We thank you that we have received, some of us for the very first time, salvation this morning. We've been saved. We understand what it means. We've been saved and that we can walk in that understanding as we leave this place. We thank you. Partake with me this morning. God, we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord, that you have been the example of perfect love and that we are free this morning. We're free right where we're at, that we start the journey where we're at and we just start walking with you. We just start following you wherever you go, doing whatever you do, understanding that we are doing the will of God today, that we are being your church.